0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. The traditional path to parenthood has often been finding a partner, settling down and then starting your family. But as we know, it doesn't always work that way. Casey Hayes has had a particularly different path to parenthood to where she is now the mother of a five-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy. Hi, Casey. How are you?
1: Hi, Siobhan. Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Now, did you always want to be a mother?
1: Always. It was something that um, family is very, very important to me. And um, I actually grew up with a sister six years younger. So I think I sort of alternated from mother-sister relationship there. I tended to mother everyone in in my family group.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And when you met your now husband, did you want to start trying for a family as soon as, you know, you decided to get married or was it something that you both knew you wanted straight away?
1: It was definitely something we both knew we wanted straight away. And I guess because of the history with my family, I, I thought there might be some difficulties actually starting a family. Um, so it was something that we we prioritised very early on in our relationship.
0: So you have a family history of, of, you know, it being difficult to fall pregnant. That's right, yes. Did you try IVF straight away or was there a period of time before you decided to try IVF?
1: We were both very young when we got married and started trying for family. So initially we were told... Just give it time, you're very young, this is all gonna work out okay. Um, some preliminary tests showed that I had endometriosis, and I guess the impression we felt from the doctors at the time was that once we had that under control, that we shouldn't have any issues conceiving.
0: And so um sometimes with endometriosis you can crudely put have the endometriosis sort of lasered off the uterus. Um, was that something that they tried with you? Is that what they how did they treat it to um, allow you to fall pregnant?
1: They did. They lasered it off, as you said, so we were told once I had the laser um, we then uh, were told you know three months or so that we could start trying to conceive.
0: okay, and so obviously you did try that and and what happened then?
1: after the third miscarriage, we found out that it was I seemed to fall pregnant quite easily but it was more around carrying the child. So I had to really wait until with the third miscarriage, probably before I really felt that I was being taken seriously by the doctors because up until then there really was no reason why we shouldn't be able to start a family. So um, it took a little bit down the track before I was actually getting hurt, I guess.
0: That's quite a lot though, three miscarriages. That means that you would have um, essentially been pregnant for a long time and going through that grieving process of losing those babies um and and after that was IVF suggested to you
1: yes we originally started off with IUI and then moved towards the IVF but I guess probably me being me um I was someone who wanted to get this going and you know I just felt that the IVF was going to be the way that we we had our children and um so I was pretty keen to get things going (laughs)
0: And how would IV, IVF have um, made it more likely that you could carry the, the pregnancy to term, given that you were falling pregnant reasonably easily? I, I don't know a lot about IVF, but I did think that it was more if you couldn't actually fall pregnant
1: That's right. So the main thing that was going to be the benefit of the IVF for us was um, more that they could do the ICSI, that they would be able to check if there was any genetic abnormalities that would mean... So that was one theory that was, was discussed, that maybe it was um, a chromosomal genetic issue that was causing a problem. At least with the IVF, they could then see the embryos grow to day five before re-implanting them as well. So it just that little bit more control, I guess.
0: Sometimes people go through many rounds of IVF. What was your experience?
1: well um I did go through many rounds I must have been. um they used to have these beautiful chicken sandwiches right at the end <laughs> and um I just yeah that, that was something I looked forward to anyhow at the, at the end <laughs> so yes I had many of these chicken sandwiches but yeah I guess I tried to just stay as positive as possible um and whilst it can be quite taxing I, I truly felt that it was leading us to where we needed to go so The time that made the hardest was probably when we had three back to back where we had a miscarriage. And then the next month we did the IVF again, miscarriage, and then IVF again, and miscarriage. And after that, I just, we just needed some, a break. It was just taking a toll physically and mentally. And that was, I guess, the stage where we started to think about the next path we could go down.
0: Oh, that's incredible. That's a a lot um, to go through. So, when you had that break and you were reflecting on what the next step would be, what did you decide?
1: Well, um, I guess adoption had always been something that we both felt very strongly about. I always wanted to have four children and um, the idea of of having two children through adoption and two children biological, but um, I was very naive. When... <laughs> <laughs> sounds <laughs> but, good. It sounds good, but both, both, um, both options are, are very challenging in their own ways. So it was always something that we have, we had talked about and was in our hearts. I also recall the family friend, she actually recalls me at eight years of age saying that um, I'm going to adopt. So it was something definitely that we talked about. We had gone to some information sessions. I guess we're starting to also look at donor eggs and donor embryos as an option um, also. We yeah. probably then went down the donor egg embryo option, mostly because we could have some control over the prenatal care.
0: So that meant um, you would carry the egg that was donated?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: Okay, so you were going down that path and at the same time you were applying to adopt, is that correct?
1: Yes, however, you can't apply for both. You need to have completed any fertility treatment um, for 12 months before you can then go on and apply. So it was really a choice. I, I. I want to do both but really it was a choice that you had to go one way or the other.
0: And so you went with the donor egg first?
1: We did um, I guess at this stage too besides close family no one had really known the, the journey that we were on so it was actually something that I felt difficult to approach anyone who we would consider um, as an egg donor so and also a lot of my friends we were married at 24 and I guess at this so I guess we're getting get any talk, 28, 29, most of our friends were still either getting married themselves or starting a family. And we felt that was really important that, Whoever was going to be our egg donor was going to be someone who had completed their family.
0: So, so that means it would have it would have been quite challenging to find someone to donate that egg.
1: That's right. I think um, you know, in, in hindsight, a lot of people, and as you'll see as the story progresses, there were many people very open and and, um, and very generous. But um, we we thought that we're best to put our name down on a central list, which would have. I guess if there's anyone there who would donate an egg or donate embryos and we were fortunate enough that um, we actually were donated seven embryos.
0: Right okay so you were donated seven embryos so that's is that different to being donated eggs?
1: It is because it's donating the genetic material of both the sperm and the eggs so. Right
0: okay and so you were going to carry that embryo is that correct? That is correct yes. And is that what happened?
1: (laughs) Well, yes, but um, sadly, that also resulted in miscarriages. The second, how many
0: miscarriages? If you don't mind me asking,
1: we used up four embryos, and of those, two resulted in a miscarriage. Prior to that, I'd also had an ectopic pregnancy, um, but two of them actually didn't thaw well. So the two that we that were viable, we miscarried again. However, the the second miscarriage was like no other. Um, I ended up in ICU with blood clots, fluid on the wow. lungs um, and I was very, very unwell. I ended up having six months off work. It really did take a toll.
0: And at that point, I can't even in my head quite um, work out how many miscarriages you've you've had by this point. You've already been on such a emotional journey what were you feeling after that dramatic and and really painful um, miscarriage
1: I guess I started to really think that I'm just not going to be a mum I I am um, for someone who if you know me I'm a perfectionist high achiever I demand a lot of myself and it probably was the first time that I really reflected and thought I'm failing at this I'm I'm this is the first thing I'm failing at. Um, and yeah, it took a lot, took a lot from me.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, that's emotionally, but physically, like you said, you had to take six months off work. That's, that's a very long recovery period for a, a miscarriage, I would have thought.
1: That's right. And um, I... I... Just felt such guilt as well too. I um, felt I was letting my husband down. I felt I was letting my parents down, my sister down, you know, like there were a lot of emotions going on at that point.
0: Yeah. And you wanted, you wanted to be a mum. Yes. At that point when you were recuperating in that six month period, were there any embryos left?
1: So we had a remaining three embryos. Sorry. So there were seven to start off with and we had three remaining. Right. Um, and so I guess at that point, they were put in the too hard basket because the couple that donated the embryos to us, we were just so grateful. But we wanted to give we, – we knew that we weren't going to use them. So we um, wanted to be able to gift them back to the couple who originally donated them so that they could then be used by another couple. But I, I was clearly told that we either need to use them ourselves or be discarded.
0: Which is a terrible choice I mean, to was, make considering – what you'd already been through, it wasn't like you are being fickle about the remaining three. You physically couldn't carry them. That's
1: exactly right. And those three little embryos caused me lots of stress, I must admit, because it was such a gift. I just saw it as such a gift and I just could not discard them. So we put that in the too hard basket for the time being. And I, I guess we, we then explored permanent care.
0: So how do you remember how old you were at this point? You say you got married at 24. Was that right? That's right. Yes. So, by this point, how old were you?
1: Um, I was 30 at this point.
0: Six years. That is a tough road for six years. So, you said you had to wait a year after any fertility treatment. So, you had another six months after you had the six months off work, (laughs) I imagine. And then you were able to apply for permanent care, is that right?
1: Yeah. So, we had originally looked at permanent care, which um, we were really hopeful of a, a sibling group because I guess both of us had grown up with. Siblings, and I just feel that sibling relationship is like no other. You know, it's um, a very unique and very special relationship. So, you know, we, we had a hearts full of, of love. We wanted to to give multiple children a home. So we had originally we looked at permanent care, but when we were going through the process, which is a long process itself, we were advised by a, a social worker to also apply for adoption to do the dual applicants. Application.
0: Okay, so permanent care and adoption um, are they different because permanent care you're still working to get the child back to the birth family or?
1: So that there is some slight differences. The permanent care children who are placed um, through the child protection services, unlike adoption, it's not a voluntary placement. Permanent care is, is different to foster care, in which the foster care the aim is to reunite um, with, with birth family.
0: Okay, whereas
1: permanent care, the child is in your care until age eighteen.
0: right, okay, so you applied and and what's adoption then?
1: So adoption is is really just a voluntary placement of a child, um, and gotcha. as you can imagine, that's probably the least common form of um, of placement Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned that it's a very long process to go through either permanent care or adoption, Yes, it already feels like you and your husband had climbed mountains to have a family. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of what the process would be like to have a child placed with you?
1: I knew as soon as we were going down this path, I wanted to speak to anyone and anyone, every, everyone and anyone who would talk to me about adoption, permanent care. I wanted to talk to carers. I wanted to talk to adoptees. I wanted to talk to Um, people who'd have foster care placements, to learn as much as I could because I knew that it was likely the child would come with a trauma history and wanted to be able to be best prepared. Having said that, the training actually does provide you with a lot of information on how you can, I guess, the differences in raising a child um, with difficult backgrounds. But, um, yeah, nothing quite prepares you, I guess, until you have that child in your arms and um, in your parenting them.
0: (laughs) So you were eventually matched with your eldest who's a a little boy who's seven years old now. What was it like when you were matched with your son? How old was he when he was placed with you?
1: Well, that's one of my favourite memories. So we had gone through the process, I guess, once again, we had travelled around the state to try and get all the forms and information sessions done complete as quickly as possible. But it still took nine months and that was actually quite quick compared to to most cases. Um, so we've been waiting on the list and we were told that we'd probably be waiting for, for some time. So we actually um, thought, okay, we'll plan a holiday and um, <laughs> and then a lot of people now... <laughs> probably
0: needed one by that point.
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's funny how a number of people say, this when you plan a holiday, that's when you get the call and the call is just, oh, like... So we, we've got a call um, to say that we had been chosen by my son's birth mother Um, there were three couples that she was considering and so you know that then started the longest month of my life seriously it was the (laughs) longest because it's really hard because I I didn't know the other couples that had been selected as well but I just thought oh my goodness like I'm sure they've got so much to offer as well and and yeah and we actually waited by the end of the month I thought oh my god we haven't been picked but I got a phone call from our social worker at work. And she she told us that we'd been picked and um, I was just blown away. I think the productivity at work definitely went down (laughs) Um, because I'm, I'm, you know, crying on the phone and, and, um, you know, um, my staff are also saying to me, what's wrong? I'm like, I need to talk to my husband. Um, Anyway, so, (laughs) so then that then started a whirlwind, which is a very exciting time in that, so we were placed and I actually felt mm. this, these other couples I, so much that I wrote them a letter. I, I just thought I really hope that they're successful in their endeavours as well. But so then we we had three days between the phone call to when we mm. were meeting our son. Wow. I, I also think it was a good thing in a way because I went to the, the shop, um, the baby shop and I just said, look, just give me what you've got on the floor. I can't, I, I didn't overthink what I needed and things like that. I just went boom, boom, boom. And I think yeah, a day's worth of shopping with a friend. We just went down the aisles and got the basics, what we needed. So it was. And how old was he? Well, he was three months at that time. Oh, sorry, four months. So he, when we wow. first got the call to say that we'd been matched, potentially being matched, it was three months, but he was four months by the time we met him. So
0: Tiny.
1: Yes, tiny, which, um
0: Wow! What a rude awakening to parenthood. It
1: was. It really was. That um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) a joyful rude awakening. still
1: And um, yeah, the the day I met him, I was. This is you own me from now on. I um, we locked eyes, and I actually got. We got to the foster carer's house forty five minutes early, and and my husband said, "We can't go in yet." I said, "No, I've been waiting so long for this. We're going in." So, um,
0: (laughs) 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 and. I know that you work hard for your children to maintain a relationship with their birth family. Yes. Did you meet your son's birth mother at that point or how does that work?
1: No, look, um I guess it probably was about maybe 6 to 8 months before we've met his birth mother and not always the case that you do get a relationship. We're very fortunate that we do have a relationship so that he knows, and, and also subsequently, my daughter knows. Um, well, both of them have a very we're very upfront with with them about how they came into the world and who their tummy mummy is and her role and yeah. So we, we actually met her, as I said, six to eight months after he'd been placed with us, and it was really through her initiation with us we had left it for her to initiate um, contact.
0: Was that challenging?
1: Well. <laughs> Yes and no. I guess um, I probably found it hard because at first I wanted to give her a big hug and and learn all about her and, and, you know, just involve in our life. But as any relationship um, has to grow organically, you can't force it. And we always need to have the children's best interests at heart. So there was always going to have to need to be some boundaries. And as our relationship has grown with both of them. There's some, there have been some boundaries that have been overstepped, but I think keeping those communication lines open as well is very important.
0: Now, how did a surrogate come oh. into your life?
1: So remember the three embryos that... Um, yes,
0: two hard basket. <laughs> too hard
1: basket. So after our son had been placed with us um, and we were loving parenthood, it wasn't long before we were starting to think about a sibling for him. Um, once again, mm. for those reasons I mentioned earlier that we we both felt very strongly about having a sibling. We also thought that given he was adopted as well, that it would be, and this is something I gathered from, I, I learned speaking to many other adult adoptees, is having someone else who has the same background as you is very important. So mm. um, we had surrounded ourselves and made a bit of a community of friends who were um, actually there were a few adoptions around his birth, um, so we've connected with them and maintained a relationship. But so we're back on the how do we go about getting him a sibling? <laughs> and um, <laughs> we were told in no uncertain terms that really the chances of a second adoption are very rare. Often birth parents, when they're looking at couples profiles, they often prefer the child to go to a, a childless couple and. A lot of people knew of our journey at that stage. And I was telling one friend actually over coffee about the embryos. I'm not quite sure what to do with them. And and she came back to us and she said, look, I'd love to be a surrogate. Um, wow. Which is a phenomenal, generous, like, yeah, blew us away really. Because we would be the first couple in Australia to have a child through surrogacy, it was non-biologically related to us. It was a, a lot of red tape, a lot of red tape to get through.
0: What happened once you got through all the red tape?
1: So once we got through the red tape, the first embryo that was transferred was a positive pregnancy. We were all very thrilled. Sadly, um, our get miscarried. So we were all heartbroken at that point too. And it was one thing to actually go through a miscarriage yourself, but to see one of your closest friends who's doing it for you um, go yes. through, that was on another level.
0: Yeah, that's tough. And so at that point, did you make a decision about the remaining two embryos?
1: Well, we did. And I guess um, from the beginning, we have been very upfront about where we were, or I guess, how far we were prepared to go in terms of um, we weren't going to do this at, at all costs. Whenever the surrogate or her husband or kids, for whatever reason, said stop, that was going to be the end point. So it was entirely up to her as to whether we we go on, um, and she she wanted to go on. So we did a second transfer, and that one was it just didn't thaw well, so that was discarded. Then the third transfer that also resulted in a, a a positive pregnancy as well.
0: But it didn't end well, did it? No,
1: sadly it didn't. And at that point we we decided, okay, this is the end kind of thing. But at that time we'd also actually had two other incredible couples come forward with us saying that if this one doesn't work we'll donate egg and another family will donate sperm so we were even preparing for actually going ahead with further embryos because I guess at that point too we decided that even though it had become clearer as time went on that it was more about carrying, like for me, for carrying the embryos, oh, sorry, yeah, carrying the, the pregnancy, that really, yes, yeah, so I, I guess we, we could have actually used our own genetic material at that point but um, had opted not to and, and rather went down the, the the road of having these gorgeous families um, help us to, to get to the next point.
0: And, and this was, you kept going on this front as well because you believed that... It was unlikely, and you'd been told that it was unlikely that you'd be able to adopt a second child. That's is that correct?
1: Correct. Yes. Correct. And I guess at the, the point when we were going to go through for the next creating more embryos, that was at the point where we all said, "No, this is enough. Um, we've yeah, we'll call it quits here." And it was it was hard. That was actually a really hard thing to actually say. Enough was enough. Mm. But I truly, truly believe that each of the, the three couples, that they really willed for our daughter to come. So they really had a big part in, in her arrival, I feel.
0: So tell us about your daughter. You were matched with her when she was 15 months old. That's right, yes. That's, that is a huge difference from being matched with a four-month-old baby. That's right, yes. How different was the experience adopting your daughter?
1: Polar opposites, to be honest. Um, Even just the foster care placement was quite a different experience. With my son, we couldn't have asked for a better experience for him, Um, and we still have a lot of contact with his foster carers today. With the foster carers for my daughter, sadly, there were other issues at play. Um, However, the the main things that were quite concerning for us was developmentally um, that she was quite a fair way behind. She hadn't been outside. She was scared of the bath because she hadn't had baths and, and things like that. Um, it was in mm. the screaming. She used to do a lot of screaming. Um, her, her speech was delayed. She was very, very wobbly on her feet and and even just the actual transition. So with my son, what you do, you go as, as a couple, you get to know his routines get to learn about what his likes and dislikes. I guess it's the slow transformation of where t- taking over the, the care of him before him them coming back to to our house. But with my daughter, there was a lot of sabotage going on. Um, we weren't allowed to see where she was sleeping. We weren't welcoming to the home. Um, and, and, and not being able to see these people who had been in her life for the first 15 months of her life was very traumatic.
0: You volunteer at Adopt Change, the agency founded by actor Deborah Lee Furness, um, and they advocate for more permanency in the foster care system. So, can you explain to us why that's important, particularly reflecting on your experience?
1: Adopt Change advocate for all children to grow up in a, a safe, nurturing, and stable environment. I think we're very much where it's it's quite evident that the child. There won't be any reunification with birth family. That um, the child needs to go to a forever home, somewhere where they can grow up with a loving family around them. They can grow up in a, a community where you know they can go through school together and things like that. Because I had met one person who had moved seventy times by the age of eighteen. And
0: yeah, how many times? Seventy times. So seventeen, mm, not 17, seventeen. Seventy, yes. Well, Casey, if you emailed me and said you had an interesting journey to parenthood <laughs> and, my goodness, that is true. Um, now, your children, as I mentioned earlier, are now five and seven and it sounds like you've very much settled into family life. How are you feeling these days, Casey?
1: I don't know which, which was harder, the actual um, road to parenthood or parenting. I think, you know, they, I just love them with all our hearts and they bring us so much joy and um, life would be very, very boring without them because they're both very energetic children. However, I'm just really grateful to be on the path that we have been on and, and I'm so grateful for all the people who, through this journey, the children have brought with them. So, you know, we've met some amazing people and, and probably changed some of our direction of friendship groups and things based on what we've, we've learned through this journey and, and, um, and it really has been an eye-opener really in lots of ways.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Casey, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. That's Casey Hayes. She's a pharmacist and mother of two. And if you'd like to learn more about Adopt Change, you can check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.